um, Jerica, and I mean, actually, our youth group as a whole uh, over the past year, uh, while numbers hasn't really grown a whole lot, um, and that's something that bothered me a little bit for quite a while. I was I was um, not happy with the fact that man, we we want more people, and that has a, a good intention in it. I want more people to know about Jesus. That's my point in that. It wasn't that I wanted to be proud of how big the youth group was or anything like that. It was like, man, like if the more people are here, the more people that's going to hear the Word of God. Um, but God has, has actually kind of had to correct me on that because I've seen evidence that God is working in our youth group and that uh, whether the group itself is growing or not, the, the message of Jesus is being spread. And that's partially because the students are beginning to take ownership of that of their faith, and it's not just something that they come to do on Sunday nights, and it's also um, something that they are applying even during the week with the, their other activities, uh, you know, extracurriculars, work, all that kind of stuff. So uh, they're leading Bible studies outside of school. Um, they're going to other churches and leading worship, um, and I'm very proud of them for doing that. Um, so God has helped correct me in what I think should be a good youth group um, and and I'm, I'm done fighting numbers. Uh, I'm more invested and care about the kids that we have here right now. And uh, I want to equip them so that they can begin to spread the message of Jesus. Uh, so we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 34. And part of the reason of going to this passage of Scripture in particular is because I, I set out and how can I encourage and share something from God's Word that has to do with the youth leading worship this, this morning and, and giving us a, a call to prayer or call to worship. Uh, so Second Chronicles 34, and actually all, a lot of places in the Old Testament, you're going to see young people being used by God. Um, and I have a, a few examples, and we'll get to those in, eventually, but Second Chronicles 34, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Chronicles and Kings a lot of times tell the same story. Uh, so you can find this same story about King Josiah and Second Kings, but it would be a much, well, not a whole lot, but it'd be a little more condensed version of that story. And that's what we're going to be talking about King Josiah uh, this morning. But I want to give you a little bit of insight about today's generation, which would be described as Generation Z. Uh, I would be considered a millennial or Generation Y. Um, and then before that, X, and I believe before Generation X was the Boomers. I might be mixed, missing one, but, but you get the idea that we're now at the point where past Z, I don't know what they do after Z. Uh, go back to A, I guess, I'm not sure. Um, but this generation is totally different than what I grew up as. When I grew up, um, I can't remember what year it was, but I remember when my mom ordered a computer off of like QVC or one of those channels you watch on TV and they spend like three hours describing what this computer can do. Um, and I remember it came on uh, like a FedEx truck or something and it was like box after box after box. Like we had, we had a box for the monitor, the printer, the tower, the keyboard. It was a big ordeal. We actually, <laughs> it was such a big deal, we had friends come over that night to help us. Uh, to help set it up and help get everything going. Because, yeah, at that point, you had everything on floppy disks. So we had like 32 floppy disks. You had to insert one after the other. That is way away from where we are right now. 
Now that's just technology. I, I mean, I grew up on, in a neighborhood two roads over, um, and even life in general was a little bit different then. I know a lot of times we think, you know, the world's a, a worse place than it has been. The world's been a bad place for a long time. Um, and we, we see that even in Chronicles and Kings, that there's been wicked people on this earth since the beginning. Um, but things have changed quite a bit. But there's one change in particular, and it has to do with technology, that changes the way this generation, Generation Z, is going to be able to live out a Christian faith compared to what even I grew up with. The last big technical change was about 500 years ago. If you think about that, the last big shift in communication was the printing press, which is part of the reason why we all have a printed Bible at this point. Um, the people during that day, the Christians, was like, man, here's a new piece of technology that we can use to spread this message of Jesus uh, to even more people. Because at the time, especially the Catholic Church, they had their Bible, and they would interpret it to their congregation. And the people who were part of the church, they didn't have the privilege of reading God's Word. They had to rely on the leaders to give them an accurate account. So it's been over 500 years since a big communication shift has happened, the printing press. But we're now entering that next phase of change in communication, and that is obviously the Internet and all the new things that are coming out with that. Uh, social media is one of them, um, but it, it all kind of started with email. Uh, some of you remember AOL, you've got mail. That's kind of when it started, but email is still really important. Um, right now, one of the biggest growing ways of communicating is just voice, audio, like podcasts, and even people listening to YouTube. They'll turn on a YouTube video, but just put their phone down and continue doing whatever they're doing um, and just listen to whatever it is. So. There's so many different ways of spreading the gospel, but this generation is not, they're not growing up in a Christian nation or a Christian world. And really, they're not even so much of a post-Christian as what I was um, raised in. This is post-truth. This is, you know, we, we go back 100 years, it was probably a little more, uh, you would say, majority of a Christian nation, and it's just steadily declined. So now they're at a point of even arguing what is truth. Uh, not so much of should I be a Christian, do I believe in the Bible, but what is the source of truth anyway. So that gives you a little bit of insight on the difference between living in the 50s and 40s, 60s, um, and, and to where we are now with this next generation. And really they're the first ones who have been raised with technology in their fingertips from uh, the beginning. So it's a little bit difficult for a lot of us to really relate to that because that's not how we grew up. Now I want to say in particular our group, um, which has been encouraging, uh, are, are doing things that are still old school. They're meeting face to face with people, Bible studies, um, but they are, are looking to do things uh, that are a little more intentional with technology. Um, I, I actually know Jacob in particular um, has actually switched his major to uh, video communications and, and producing videos with kind of a sole purpose of spreading the gospel, making videos that will, will reach more people and tell them about Jesus. Um, and one of the things that we tried as a group was actually doing 10-minute church services online. Uh, we have 10 minutes to do a welcome, a game, a devotional, and a song. Um, and it's just trying to be creative with the tools that we have right now to still spread the same message that has been proclaimed by Christians for thousands of years. 
So even though the, the tax, tax, I'm trying to figure out my word, the way we go about this spreading this message changes, the message never changes, and that's kind of where we're at today. Uh, so I, I'm proud of our own group, and uh, even today I'm still trying to figure out things. Um, there's a new app called TikTok, and I don't know if any of you are on there. I am, uh, <laughs> I have an account on there. I have no, it's really one of the first times I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, uh, and I don't know what I'm looking at. Like, why are all these people doing what they're doing? It's very, very odd for me, but uh, some, some of the youth have helped me figure out what even some of the abbreviations and ways that go about that are. Before we move any further, I want, I want to go ahead and um, just pray over the God's uh, word and that we would hear from him today. God, thank you for your, the Bible. Um, thank you for even the stories and, and chronicles and kings that we can uh, see how people sought you, didn't seek you, were wicked, were, were uh, good. God, because we can learn something from this and uh, we can even apply these stories to our lives today. And I pray that uh, you would give me words to speak. I don't want to speak anything of my own. Um, and I just ask your Holy Spirit to do that and speak to all of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Um, there's a few young people that I want to point out because age is one of the things we're talking about today. Um, and some of those young people are David. Does anybody know what David did as a young boy? Very easy question. Somebody just shout it out. What was it? Shepherd. And what was one of the most notable things he did? Okay, Goliath. And then Joseph uh, was one of the other young people. Um, he was sold uh, from his brothers into slavery and eventually became second in command. But when he was sold, he was still a young person. And then Daniel, um, if you read the book of Daniel and kind of figure out the timelines of things, Daniel, when he was taken to Babylon, was about 17 years old. Uh, so still fairly young to most of us. And then the next one, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about before reading this. Um, and it was the little maid of Israel. And you'll find this story in 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, it's a very interesting story. And actually, we're, we're not going to get into it a whole lot this morning. Um, but I, I encourage you to read that chapter and in that story about the little maid of Israel. It's a young girl who um, was taken away from her home and you know she was basically with the enemy at that point of where she came from um, but began to have a positive attitude even with the midst of a bad situation um, and because of her attitude and even her faith as she was alone away from her family uh, she began to be a witness to the even the higher-ups the leaders of the the nation and two kings in general uh, so the Little Maid of Israel, read that story. It's very encouraging. You guys actually would probably maybe learn something about her that you never even heard of. And then the last one uh, is which we're going to focus on today is King Josiah. And King Josiah was eight years old when he became king, um, which for us, you know, eight, I, I have no idea how an eight-year-old could become a king, um, but obviously it was due to his father being the king before him and being killed. But man, how much wisdom does an eight-year-old have to rule a nation? So let's read uh, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 34, and then we're going to highlight a couple things along the way. Um, and I'm reading out of the NLT, which is the Bibles that are in the chairs, and you may have a different version. It's going to be very similar. Um, but in verse 1, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. 
So he did not live real long. He only lived to the age of 39, but we're going to see that in those 31 years, he actually accomplished a lot. And then in verse 2, he says, He did what was pleasing to the Lord's sight, or in the Lord's sight, and followed the example of his ancestor David. Why is this important that they marked that he had an ancestor David? Is because King Josiah was actually of the lineage of David, uh, which eventually led to Jesus. And then the last statement in, in verse 2 says, He did not turn away from doing what was right. So no matter what influences he had, and I would imagine at eight years old, and even to his, to his teenage years, he probably had a lot of people trying to tell him what to do or, and how to do things because he was so young. But he never turned away from doing what was right. And then in verse 3, during the eighth year of his reign, so he's 16 years old at this point, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek God, seek, seek the God of his ancestor David. And this is kind of the starting point of his, his most effective years, is at 16 years old, as a king, he began to seek God. And I, I want to point that part out because if we read a little bit further back, his grandpa and even his dad, um, they were both very evil and wicked rulers. And it actually starts in verse, or chapter 33, um, Manasseh and Amon, which is his dad, this has been years and years and years going on that these men did not seek God, but both of them are, are dead at this point, and Josiah is seeking God on his own. Um, he doesn't have a dad around to teach him these things. Uh, so at 16 years old, he began to seek God. And then in the 12th year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles and the carved idols and cast images. So around the age of 20, 23, he began this quest of cleansing everything that his past family had put in place. And then I want to jump to uh, verse 33 before we really break down those verses, because it gives us a little bit of a context for everything that happened. It says, So Josiah removed all detestable idols from the entire land of Israel, and required everyone to worship the Lord their God, and throughout the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So that we see that as a young man at 16 years old, he began to seek God, and for the rest of his life, not only was he pursuing God in everything that he did, but everyone that he ruled over, the entire nation, he changed the entire nation. Uh, this is a nation that not just his grandpa and dad were evil, but they led everyone else to worship these same idols. But one, one king at 16 years old, because he began to seek God, changed all of that. And so the first point I want to bring out um, is very evident, is that age is not a factor to determine if God can use you. Now, in the, in the New Testament, we have Timothy, we have uh, Paul and Timothy, and, and he makes very specific claims like, no, let no one despise you for your youth. Um, be an example to the rest of the, the church. But that doesn't mean that we're only focused on young people. We're actually focused on every single age, whether you're young or old. Um, even someone late in life can be used of God. And actually, that is kind of what one of my story and examples are. Um, the, when I began preaching, coincidentally, I was 16 years old also. And I was 
terrible at that point of preaching, and uh, I probably haven't improved a whole lot since then. Um, but uh, like five-minute sermons was very, very difficult. And it, I talked to Jacob after uh, he just gave us a call to worship, and I said, was, was that nervous for you? Was that just as nervous as getting on the starting line for cross-country? He was like, oh, this was way worse. I actually care about this. Uh, but I remember being so nervous to get up front because my nature is introverted. I do not like to speak a whole lot. Um, and actually, when I'm in small groups and medium-sized groups of people, I do a lot more listening than anything. I just listen and, you know, I'll chime in and, and give my thoughts. But speaking in front of lots of people was not something I ever thought God would do for me or called me to do. But I had a, a gentleman by the name of Harold, and uh, he's passed away since. Um, but when I was 16 years old, he was one person in particular who I would imagine at that point he was probably in his 70s. Um, but God used him in particular to continue to encourage me um, as a young preacher or someone that was uh, pursuing uh, that role. And Harold, to this day, I have never forgot what he's done for me. Uh, you know, someone in his 70s helping a 16-year-old um, and encourage, encourage me in my faith and in and my walk and my calling. But I remember after, I think it was the very first time I preached, and uh, it was a Sunday night because obviously the the pastor didn't want to give us a Sunday morning uh, to test out what we're going to do. Uh, so it was a Sunday night, not a whole lot of people there. Um, and I remember I preached out of John uh, talking about uh, the God being the true vine. And, and uh, it was a very short message. Um, but after the service, and some of you have, have done this before, received this before, typically the pastor would go out to the doors and uh, shake everyone's hand as they leave and maybe give the kids some bubble gum. Uh, but I remember him walking by, and uh, he gave me a holy handshake. Now, what that is, is a bunch of money in his hand that went to mine. And uh, when I shook his hand, I had never had that before. And I was like, what in the world is in his hand? Like, typically, as friends, we would do jokes and tickle each other's hands. So I was like, something's in there. I have no idea. So he kind of whispered in my ear and just said, use this um, to buy some, some books. And I was like, okay. I Whatever you just put in my hand, that's what I'm going to do. And I remember I went to the bookery at that time and bought, um, I remember I bought a, a King James Study Bible. I believe I bought a very thick uh, Matthew Henry's commentary. And I had think about one more book that was uh, more of a topical thing. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I, even with those books at that point, I didn't know what I was doing with them or how to prepare a sermon. And then I would preach my next sermon. <clears throat> I have these resources, and I actually had a youth pastor time that was uh, helping me develop a sermon and, uh, and really seeking out what God would want to say through me. And the next time, he gave me a little bit more money, but said something a little bit different. And uh, he began to express each time I would speak that God was uh, sharing something with him through the message that I was preaching to the congregation and each time it was more and more encouraging to me um, that this is what God has called on my life and also that there was somebody attesting to the fact that this was true and not just me thinking this is what I was supposed to do, but this is truly what God um, was, was planned for me. So if, if you're in your 60s and 70s uh, and 80s, whatever your age is, 90s, I don't care, as long as you're still breathing, God still has something to do with you. 
Um, and it could be as simple as connecting with someone that's younger. It could be connecting with someone your age and encouraging them and, and sharing Jesus with them. As long as you're still breathing, God has something to do with you. Now, our students today just gave an example of how they can be um, a witness to us. They can lead us in worship. They can lead us in God's presence. Um, Jacob, in particular, has actually um, led Bible studies with us um, on, on youth group. I wasn't there for the last one because I was at Beulah Beach. Um, but just hearing students proclaim Jesus' word, read his word, tell us about how that is impacting their life, God uses young people too. So the age is not a factor um, in, in any of this. And there's vast amount of scripture, New Testament, Old Testament, that uh, God doesn't have any box that constrains him to a certain age group. Um, and I do not believe that God is any, finished with any of us until uh, we meet him in heaven. The second thing here uh, is that sometimes God speaks to us through unlikely people. I would imagine that some of you feel like I do, that uh, there's probably certain people we listen to and think that God's going to speak through them uh, to give us some, I don't know, wisdom. Um, but we, we're going to see here in chapter 34 that there's actually a young female prophet. Uh, did any of you know that there, some prophets were female? Uh, I bet some of you didn't know that. And then in uh, verse 19, let me see. Yeah, 19. They, uh, they had a female prophet, and they actually, I'll give you a little backstory on how this happened. As he's tearing down the temple, or tearing down all the old altars that were made to Baal and the other gods, uh, he had a strong desire, King Josiah, to rebuild the temple. Because at this time, like I said, it's been generations of leaders tearing down what was a, um, a temple that was actually made to worship God. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. But he felt a strong desire that he needed to rebuild the temple. And wouldn't you know it that one of the things they found is that they found God's law. They found the first probably five books of Scripture that were written at that point. When Josiah was seeking God, he didn't have the Bible to start with. But later on in his life is when he actually, they found that the, the God's law was there still. It had been lost, but it had been found. And this is a part of his story that things really started to uh, shift and gave him even more energy to keep going. In verse 14, it says, While they are bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Uh, Hilkiah said to Shephan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan took the scroll to the king and reported, Your officials are doing everything they were assigned to do. The money that was collected at the temple of the Lord has been turned over to the supervisors and the workmen. And Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. And then in verse 19, When the king heard that what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair, then gave these orders to Hilkiah. I'm sorry, these names are, are kind of just difficult. Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abkor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah, the king's personal advisor, said this, Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me. And for all the remnant of Israel and Judah, inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger has been poured out on us because our ancestors, so his, his 
family, uh, the rulers before him, have not obeyed the word of the Lord. We have, done, not, we have not been doing everything the scroll says we must do. And then uh, the next verse talks about the female priest. So Hilkiah and the other men went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah. She was the wife of Shalem, son of Tikvah, son of Harhas, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. It's so rare for there to be a female prophet. And in this culture, and especially the, the type of church that I grew up in, quite honestly, it's a little embarrassing um, with the, the restrictions that have been put on some of the women. Um, obviously, there, there's, there's many uh, scripture that gives us how the order should be. Um, but, and I'm not saying our church is, is bad at this, but there are churches and cultures um, that have put women to the side and have no respect for them. But obviously, even in the Old Testament, and I know we look back at this and we, see, we think we see a different God than the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, God was using women um, to proclaim his word, and that uh, was with the a prophet here. So she, in verse 23, she said to them, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you, This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the curses written in the scroll that was read to the king of Judah will come true. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I'm very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will be poured out on this place, and it will not be quenched. But we know that Josiah did not die because of God's anger or God's wrath. We actually see the opposite. He, he actually lived his life seeking God, and the rest of his life, the rest of the nation worshiped God. Um, and then if you wanted to read ahead uh, in chapter 35, starting at verse 20, you see where Josiah died in battle. Sometimes God speaks to us through unlikely people. I, I don't know about you, I've, I've struggled with this at times, thinking that uh, some people I need to completely write off. And then uh, there's been times where I'm listening to someone I don't think that God's going to speak to me through. And I find little tidbits. I'm like, wow, that person is not thinking they're talking about God, but everything they just said I can support with Scripture. Now, obviously, we, we see things, um, TV. You could look at movies um, in particular and see kind of uh, themes that would fit along with the Bible. You can uh, watch TV episodes. You find small things as you, as you watch. Uh, there's obviously podcasts you can listen to that maybe you don't think you're going to hear anything biblical from, but uh, God can use that to speak to you. There's two people I want to point out for me that I would have never guessed that God would have said something, like I would have actually got some biblical insight from. Uh, but one of the people, and I don't recommend looking up this person without typing in censored, uh, because he is very vulgar, um, but he is a type of entrepreneur and uh, speaker, and his name's Gary V. Um, if you go to YouTube, there's a specific channel for Gary V. There's like edited or censored um, because obviously people do not like to hear um, cussing all the time. But when it comes to being an entrepreneur, he is very smart. There's no doubting that. He knows how to market things. He knows how to run businesses. Um, but you have to cut out all the bad stuff. But I'm listening to him on the censored version, and it's interesting how he talks about growing a business um, and it has to do with relationships and 
um, being real with people. And the whole time I'm listening to this, I'm like, what? like I don't see church, I don't see Christianity as marketing per se, um, but things that he's talking about, I'm like, that is how God designed the church. He, he designed it so that we would actually have relationships with people. He designed it so that we would actually come in contact with those who don't know him um, and began to spread this message and tell the story of Jesus. And then the other person, <laughs> this one's kind of funny because it just came out this week. I had never thought that I would hear Kanye West telling me that Jesus is king. I had no idea that that would be coming one day. Um, I've listened to the album, and it, it, it has some depth to it. I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan of, of the album or the music, but I had no idea that God would be speaking through this man that is married to a crazy family, and he himself has uh, got quite the history and past. But God can do it. God can do it through anyone. So God can use unlikely people to speak to us. And then I want to finish with this last point. What took the devil years to tear down, God can restore very quickly. And this is kind of the point that really struck me reading this story of Josiah. You can read chapters and chapters before that Things were built to, to worship idols. Altars were built to worship Baal. The nation of Israel had been wicked for many, many years, and like I said, generations. And some of us might think that, you know what, that's going to take that much longer to restore um, what the devil has, has built up. But that's not the case. And while I can't give testimony of being there in this story, I've seen this same thing played out, actually. Uh, we see things like this played out with people who are, are, have addictions. No matter what the addiction is, whether it, it could be drugs, it could be uh, money addictions, it can be um, sexual addictions. Addictions in general typically slowly build up. They take a long time to get to the point where you cannot give it up. I have testimony of family members um, and, and people that I've known that it did not take the same amount of time to get, for God to restore um, them after that addiction. Uh, in particular with drugs, uh, I've witnessed people have an instant um, healing. I've had people that uh, have had marriages that have been destroyed and healing comes. So I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. I don't know what you're experiencing right now. And maybe you think that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you think that you know, you've been going through this bad thing for years, five years, ten years, and you don't know how long it's going to take or if you'll ever get past it. I want to encourage you and remind you of this point, and especially in this story, that that point, what it took the devil years to tear down, God can restore very, very quickly. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we listened to Jeff Miller, and this, this word has stuck with me, and I didn't realize it was so prominent in the Old Testament, but it says that it is an easy thing. It's an easy thing for God to do. And when I think of those things, the people that have been had addiction issues, marriage issues, and I've seen how they've been restored, I think, yeah, that's it. 
It's an easy thing for God to do. And we need to believe as Josiah did. Uh, We see that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Eight years later, he began to seek God. So he didn't have a whole lot of time to tear down all this stuff um, that his family had built up. But he, he dedicated the rest of his life of living for God, and uh, he eventually did do what he set out to do. And then also take notice that he didn't have all the details at the beginning. When he was 16 years old, he didn't even have the Bible yet. Uh, but he knew he was seeking um, God, and he had stories, and he probably knew of stories where God had worked in this nation before him. Um, because God did do miracles before King Josiah was there. So he had testimony and witness through these generations of stories uh, that he knew that the God of Israel is, is who he was supposed to be following and worshiping. And then from 16 years old, he gradually sought God more and more and more. And then uh, we, we see that eventually, by the fact of restoring the temple, he did find, or someone else found God's law. In verse 19, he says, when, he, uh, when they read what was written, he tore his clothes in despair. And that just means that he was in in great grief and great despair to see that my ancestors have been worshiping other gods than the God they were supposed to, and and God is angry with us, and he's in grief because of that. So he gradually sought God after seeing and reading God's word and seeking him at the age of 16. So I want to finish with that, is that what took the devil years to tear down, God can restore very quickly. And I know sometimes we leave here, we leave with a point like this, and we forget it. But as we begin to seek God's presence more, as we begin to um, put prayer as a priority, uh, growing up, we had, we had altar calls. And uh, what I describe as an altar call as a kid is when the preacher would stay up here, the music would play, they, someone would get on the piano, and they would play, sing, Just As I Am, and, and it was something where the preacher would stay up here and, and kind of continue to preach and, and urge you to come forward. Um, to be honest with you, I, I'm not going to do that. A lot of times, I felt pressured into doing that. But I think something that we can do, and something we should do, is individually... Uh, we should begin to think about what God's Word just said to us. A time to reflect, a time to sit back and, wow, how does this apply to me? What is something that I've been struggling with for years and just can't seem to break through? I can't seem to get past whatever this problem is and give it over to God. Seek God. It's It's very simple on what Josiah did. It was seeking Him. And then when he got his word, he read God's word. And throughout the dedication of seeking him, that's when things began to get purified. And by the end of his life, he tore down every single thing. So when we think about our personal relationship with Jesus, it doesn't, it doesn't start out as, the, as the, most, uh, the best relationship it's ever been or ever will be. It's a, it's a gradual process. Um, But by the time we go to heaven, hopefully we are closer to him than when we started. But I say all that to, I want to give you all an opportunity. Um, And I don't, do you have a song to end with? Um, 
If you feel like you need to pray, do it. I'm not saying you have to come to an altar. I'm not saying that you have to do anything in particular, but just take a moment while they're singing, um, and you can go ahead and get ready, and just open yourself up for what God can do in your life. God's Word does not come back void. So when we hear it, I'm, the most, I'm not the most talented speaker. I know that, and you know that now that you've heard me. But there's one thing I do know, is that God's Word does all the work for me. Now, obviously, I, I, I believe that God has called me to, to preach His Word, but I know that ultimately it's His work. It's His Holy Spirit that does the convicting. It's His Holy Spirit um, that does the work inside of us. It's not me. It never will be me. You can find a better preacher almost anywhere. But I want you to do that. Just begin to reflect on what God's Word says. And maybe you do need to pray. Um, and I would welcome you. I will pray with you. And I'll stay here as long as we need to be. Um, if you need somebody to pray with, I will do that. I know Sam will do that. I know others will do that. Esther will do that. We are here as a family to seek God. And I pray that's what we do today. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this, even the story of Josiah and how we can look at ourselves and know that age is not a factor. God, you have a plan for each one of us, and we even talked about that last week with you have a purpose for each one of us. And God, as we seek you, you have given us things to do. Um, and all, God, I also just uh, pray that you continue to convict us and, and, and direct us in uh, the things we should do and the things we should let go of and the things we should surrender to you. And I thank you that you do that for us, that you care enough for us, that you help us become more like you. Amen.